0: Uh, There are some cartoons that are both funny and sad at the same time. And so you laugh, but then you feel like crying. And uh, this is one of those cartoons. Now that's funny, isn't it? But it's also sad, isn't it? because we know that this is exactly what human nature is like, there is something about gossip that stirs the blood. Uh, Plain old information, that's boring. But gossip has an irresistible appeal to all of us. We like being on the inside, knowing the juicy details about what is going on. And it's interesting, though we know that it is wrong, somehow when we are involved, we don't see it as being so bad. I know a a pastor uh, who said after a lifetime of ministry, every imaginable sin had been confessed to him except one. People had confessed theft, adultery, even murder, but no one had ever confessed gossip. He said, it's the sin that others commit, we never do. Uh, Here's a question, if I asked, we know the answer, have we ever gossiped? Yes. Have we ever confessed gossip? Now that's a very good question. Do you know some of the strongest words in the Bible deal with uh, the sin of gossip and its cousins? Now, this morning, we have another hard-hitting, impacting message from James. I'm surprised you're still coming, to be honest with you. And today, James wants to talk to us about a sin that he calls evil-speaking. And I've entitled this message, Watch What You Say, and Who You Say It About. And I want you to turn with me to James chapter 4, and just two verses this morning in this ongoing study, verses 11 and 12, and let me read them to you from the English Standard Version here this morning. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and one judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you? Who am I that I should judge my neighbor? Let's pray. Lord, as we uh, delve into this passage, we know that we all stand condemned. Father, I've had to confess my wrongs in this area. And we're so thankful that James brings this to our attention because we know that it is a part of the practical Christian living that is essential to properly adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you that you are a God who, knowing all about us and seeing our faults, loves us, forgives us, but you want to change us. And so may we be changed today for the greatest need that any of us have is the changing of our tongue. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, James does two things. He gives to us the definition of evil speaking. And then he gives to us the poison of this, why it is so wrong. So let's begin with the definition, all right? When James says, do not speak evil against one another, and he uses the same expression later in the verse, here is the word that he uses. It's one word in the Greek New Testament. It is the word katalaleo, katalaleo. And it literally is made up of two words, against and to speak. So it means to speak down on or to speak against. We would perhaps call it running others down. Uh, one way to translate this phrase is do not speak down on one another, brothers. So what it is doing, it is badmouthing someone to knock them down a peg or two in the esteem of other people. Now, we may not be so much familiar with this particular word, but we are certainly familiar with the applications of it. Uh, There are a number of ways that we participate on a regular basis in doing this. By the way, as you think about your conversations, not only think about how you do this, but think about how people in the world do this on a regular basis. All right? Here's the first type, slander. Slander is repeating false or exaggerated information about others. And so we hear damaging information about somebody, and we will say to somebody else, You know, I'm not sure that this is true, but did you hear? We call this rumor mongering, it is spreading half truths or hearsay about others. Now, another form of this is backbiting. What is backbiting? Well, it is running others down behind their backs, even if what we say is true. Now, we all know lying is wrong. Every one of us knows that. But somehow we think, as long as it's true, it's okay for us to tell it. So it's true, but it's unkind. And the effect of it is that other people think less of the person that we have shared this about. Um, It is the type of thing that we wouldn't say to somebody's face, and so what we do is we say it when they are not around. There's a wonderful Bible teacher by the name of Edmund Hebert, and he says this, The evil lies in the speaker's hostile intention, aimed at eroding the position or character of the one spoken against. And so it's all about the intent in why it is being shared to erode the character of somebody or their position in the eyes of others. Do you know this is often the result of idle or chatty talk? So we're sort of with our little group of friends, you know, our little social circle. And someone says, Janice is such a sloppy housekeeper. You ought to see the mess at her place. Or another person pipes up and says, you know, Jack made me late for work the other day. He's always late. He's going to be late at his own funeral. And then somebody else says, you know, I was in the hospital and Deacon Jones didn't even send me a sympathy card. What allows the excuse for a deacon he is. Somebody else pipes up and says, yeah, I hear that he beats his wife too. And so it is that kind of idle and chatty talk behind somebody's back. Now here's the third expression of this. A third expression is fault finding. Fault finding is pointing out the faults of others to their face, but doing it in a critical, unkind way. Somebody might say this way, Well, I may be brutally honest, but at least I'm honest. You know what somebody has said about that? The person who acts that way, they get more pleasure out of the brutality than they do the honesty. And you know that people that do that, that's the way it often is. Or somebody else might say, you know, um, I- I'm just a blunt person. I tell it the way it is. That's the way I am. Well, you know what the answer to that is? A hammer's blunt too, isn't it? And yet, who likes to see or feel their finger being hit by a hammer? And that's the way some people's criticism of us is like. It feels like you've just been hit with a hammer. You're not helped. You're not lifted up. You're just put down and told off. Now look at all of these this morning. All three of these, which are a regular part of conversation. And remember, James is writing to local churches. He's writing to folks like you and me. And he is saying all of this that occurs often in conversations is evil speaking. And we will never be motivated to stop this until we see it for what it really is it is poison. It is poison. You know, these are some of the strongest verses in all the Bible showing us the damage that evil speaking can do. Now, understanding what's involved here, let's move on to this second part. Because as James delves into this, he wants us to see the poison of this. He wants us to see how wrong it is and how destructive it is. And so let's follow him this morning, all right? First of all, this is poison because it destroys the family of God. Did you notice three times in verse 11, James uses the word brothers? Do not speak against one another, brothers, The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother's. Right away, what James is doing is he's reminding us what we do to the family of God when we do this. In fact, the seriousness of this is so important for us to see. This very word is used in First Peter twice for the persecution of Christians by non-Christians. Now follow what James is saying. When we are active in evil speaking, we are treating our brothers and sisters like outsiders, like they do not belong. I don't know about you, generally speaking, we avoid broadcasting the faults of our family members. And the reason we do that is because we love them so much that we don't want to broadcast all of their faults. Uh, One day I said this to my dear wife Ellen. I said, uh, I said, thank you for not bad mouthing me. And she said to me, well, why would you say that? And I said, well, I, I know that you don't do that. And I said, I want to thank you for it. You know what she said? She said, you are right, I don't badmouth you. In fact, she said, I'm very careful about what I say about you as my husband. Now, brothers and sisters, it is not because Ellen does not think I have no faults. It's because she loves me. And if we ever start rehearsing our faults to other people, our marriage is in big trouble. You see, once we start backbiting each other, it will not be long and we are devouring one another. And all it takes is a few people like this in a church or a group to fan the flames of dislike and ill will and what was once a loving family becomes a fractured and splintered family. And it is poison. It is poison. Secondly, James says it disobeys the word of God. It disobeys the word of God. Did you notice, he says, if we do this, we speak evil against the law. In fact, did you notice four times the word law is used here? You do this, you speak evil against the law, you judge the law. If you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but you are a judge. Now, what law is he talking about? Well, back in James chapter 2, James had talked about the royal law, the law of love. You should love your neighbor as yourself. Remember the fullest expression of this was by Jesus? Remember what he said? As I have loved you, so you are to love one another. Now, I want you to think with me about this for a moment. How does talking about someone else's faults in a malicious and not a constructive way judge the law? This is one of those places where you say, wait a minute, how does does this equal that? Well, let me give you a little homely illustration here. Um, Suppose uh, we're riding down the road together and I'm driving and you see the red light But I'm not stopping. And so you shout to me, Stop, stop, it's a red light. And I just sail through nonchalantly. And you say, What are you doing? And I say, What do you mean? What am I doing? And you say to me, We could have gotten killed. Don't you recognize that's a red light? And I say to you, Well, don't you know? Don't you understand? Red lights don't apply to me. By the way, how many of us know people who drive like that? Okay. Now that's obviously silly. But it's the point that is being made here. When we backbite, fault find, or slander, we're acting like we are the exception. Instead of obeying the royal law of love found in God's Word, we are acting like a judge who can pass it off. We're acting like somebody who's standing in the gossip line and saying, Oh, it's okay, it's okay. That doesn't apply to me. Do you see the evil in that? One of the things we've been hearing during this political season is that nobody is above the law. And when I participate in evil speaking, that's exactly what I'm saying. I'm above the law. Now thirdly, notice this. James says it dishonors the lordship of God. It dishonors the lordship of God. He says, there is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. Do you know what? This is a marvelous statement on the relationship of God to his own law. God is related to his law like the three branches of the federal government. Congress is the legislative branch. They make the laws. The Supreme Court is the judicial branch. They are the ones who interpret the laws. And the presidency is the executive branch. His office enforces the laws. Now, you know what? God is all three in relationship to his own law, his own government. James says he's the lawgiver. He's his own Congress. He's the judge. He's his own Supreme Court. And he is able to save and destroy. He is his own president. So God is Lord in all three ways over his own government. And only God has the right to destroy. And anyone who usurps that right is a vigilante. Have you ever thought about it like that? You're in a group. Somebody is not present. And maybe you or somebody else begins to rehearse the faults of that person. And nobody is there to stand up for them or to defend them or to bring the proper context. And all participating in that are vigilantes because they are taking God's prerogative into their own hands. Let's suppose there's somebody on my street that I don't like, we'll, we'll call him Rusty. And let's suppose that I say, you know, the police ought to do something about Rusty and they're not doing anything. So, I finally decide one day I'm going to go down the street and I'm going to deal with Rusty and I grab a hold of him, pull him out of a house, and I administer a beating to him. Who are the police going to be after? Not Rusty. They're going to be after me. Because I've just taken the law in my own hands. You see, anytime I badmouth somebody to knock them down a peg or two, I am playing God. Do you see the arrogance in this? By the way, doesn't it come back to that again? James opens chapter 3 by saying, You know, you have an untamable tongue. He says, The problem is, is that we don't have the wisdom of meekness. He says the one who sows a harvest of righteousness, it's sown in peace by those who make peace. And then he says we argue and and we fight and we quarrel because of these evil passions within us that are warring inside of us. And he says God wants to give us grace, but remember what he says? God opposes the proud and he gives grace to the humble. And over and over again, it's coming back to this. A lack of humility before God and others. Finally, the poison of this is that it deifies the child of God. You know what it means to deify somebody? It means you make them into God. And did you notice how James says this? Well, who are you? Who am I? Where do we get off thinking that we can take God's place? What an arrogant thing for us to do to place ourselves on Mount Sinai as though we were giving the law to Moses to give to others instead of placing ourselves under it. A number of years ago, I I met a pastor from Illinois. Illinois. He said, in my first church, I was very young. And he said, one day this man in my church came to me. He said, Pastor, I want to sit down with you in your office. He said, I have been keeping a list of the things that you have done that are mistakes and that are wrong. And I want to read to you this list. So what had been going on without this pastor's knowledge was every time he made a mistake or didn't do something that was quite right, this man wrote it down. Oh, that's not quite right. Oh, that's not the way that it should be done. And then after compiling the list, he comes into the pastor's office and dumps it on him. You know what that pastor said? He said, I was so young that I thought humility required that I sat there and listen to his list. I shared this story one time in a service. There was a retired pastor sitting there. He later came to me and he said, I had the same thing happen, only it was sent to me anonymously in the mail. I got this letter in the mail, it was anonymous. I opened it up, and there was all the list of my fault. Do you know what that young pastor should have done? After the guy was done with the list, he should have said to him, Okay, you have read my faults. Now, may I have the courtesy of returning your faults. Here's the first one on the list. Delusional. Thinks he is God. That's what he should have done. This morning, probably all of us think to ourselves, man, I didn't know this was so serious. And yet here it is. Slander, backbiting, fault-finding. All of it destroys the family of God, disobeys the Word of God, dishonors the Lordship of God, and deifies the child of God. One of the most helpful things to remind us how to speak and talk is an acronym acronym that's been around for a long time. It is the acronym THINK think. And the person who came up with that acronym was uh, Pastor Alan Redpath, who pastored at Moody Church. And he said during a time of stress in one of his churches, he began to uh, think, uh, how is it that I can remind myself how to speak in this church During this time of stress, we're going through so that it doesn't get worse and it doesn't become fanned into destruction, backbiting, and devouring. And he came up with this little acronym, Think. If you've never written this down, it might be worthwhile for you to do. T. Is it true? H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? N, is it necessary? K, is it kind? He said, if what I'm about to say does not pass those tests... I'm going to keep my mouth shut. You know what he said? It worked. It worked. Let me give you those again. T. Is it true? H. Is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? N, is it necessary? K, is it kind? And if what I'm about to say does not pass those tests, it is evil speaking. God, help me to keep my mouth shut. If it worked for Pastor Redpath, it'll work for you and me. Let's bow together in prayer, shall we? Father, it is very obvious that we need the help of the Lord. It is very obvious that if anyone does not stumble in what they say, that is a mature person, able to control the entire body, Because the control of the tongue reveals tremendous maturity, wisdom, and humility. And anyone who can do that and has those virtues can control everything else about their life. And so, thank You, Lord, that through these difficult verses, all the way back to chapter 3, verse 1, James has been unrelenting in the need to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may lift us up. To thank Him that He gives more grace, but that grace can only come to the humble because unless we resist the greatest rebel and His pride, we will never resist the pride in our hearts that makes us a rebel against God's perfect ways and perfect direction. And so I pray that You would help us today. Lord, some of us might need to find somebody and apologize. Some of us may need to go and Undo damage that we began. Some of us might need to inform a friend or a co worker, I don't think we ought to be doing this any longer. And some of us, Father, may need to apologize to the closest person to us, our spouse. We pray that you will help us, Lord, today to see the many applications of this in our lives and then help us in our speech to reflect the meekness of wisdom, the harvest of righteousness, to be those who sow peace because we make peace. We love you, Lord, today. Continue to do your transforming work, but we have a long way to go. For Jesus' sake. I think this final song is really very perfect for us. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. And um, I think we're going to have to turn into the hymnals to do this one. What's the number? 371. 371. So let's turn there together. And let's sing prayerfully. Uh, There are... So many songs that no matter how many times you sing them, they speak to you deeply and call you after the Lord. And so let's stand together, shall we? Hymn 371. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way.